Hello, friends. Hello. Welcome to the Robcast. This is episode 275. And the slow and gradual takeover of Kristen Bell. I'm just going to say this is a special episode. <laughs> yes. Because yes. you have an announcement. And honestly, um, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a really big deal to me. It's like really emotional. It takes me like to this very um, innocent, like uh, wonder and place of wonder and awe. Because I'll, I'll, I'll be thinking about like this episode for the past months and months and months and months, years, thinking I'm going to get this. Yeah. Anyway, it's hard to explain, well, but it's like a really, keep, really. Don't keep us waiting. New book. A new book. Comes out September 15th, and uh, it's now available to pre-order, and that's just, like, because you work on something for so long, and it's like you carry it around, well, you know, I carry it around, it's, uh, it's like you're just ripping open your heart day after day after day, and then there comes a moment when you get to tell people, (sighs) a new book is coming. (laughs) I know. Like literally now I have to like just take a deep breath because it's just to enjoy it. Yes. Yeah, so Robcast friends, new book is coming. It's called Everything is Spiritual. <laughs> so you're just going for some some fluff there. <laughs> <laughs> some light reading. Yes. The title the the title and subtitle are dead serious and they're also obviously winking because you know, you know. How could you ever capture that? <laughs> right, right. But the point is, the F, I mean, the point is the effort? What would you say? The point is like like our human um, desire to understand life, to... I think the great curiosity and drive of my life is something out of nothing. The, the act of creation and coming up with something and making it and then sharing it with people is um, at the heart of what fills me with the joy that we all want. You know what I mean? It's like, it, and it never goes away. And I'm more aware of how sacred and satisfying it is than ever. So this is like book 11 or something. And yet just, hey, I have a new book coming is like, um, and, and other people have talked about this, that when you really give yourself to something, you grow in your innocence and wonder about it. Not Cynicism isn't the path of maturity or mastery. It goes the other direction. You get less cynical, even as you're more aware of how the world can be. Um, so, and I feel that with this, and even in what the book's about, just in all sorts of ways. So, yeah, yeah. actually, I have some questions for you for this podcast. I have been, as soon as I told you, like, oh, yeah, that, that one podcast is when we're going to, I'm going to announce the book. Um, and then you were like, well, so remember, I was like, well, I'll just, do that, and then we'll talk about whatever we're going to talk about. And then it gradually became you going, actually, I'd like to all interview you about it. Right, because I feel like I have, well, I do have this close-up view of the process. <laughs> and um, it's very... You see the it, whole thing. It's very interesting <laughs> um, and inspiring, and it... Um, it makes me ask questions about my own life and what I'm creating and what I'm here to do, um, and where I find joy. Um, and so I have some questions that I'm very interested in. They're like, they mean something to me personally, um, based on watching you create and specifically this book, because I've noticed that this book has some similarities to the other books, but it's also a very different book. Yeah. So I'm going to get to that. Okay. Uh, Unless you want to. We've been hanging out for several decades. Have we really? Like, and obviously um, we, some days we spend the whole, some days we spend the whole day talking 
And the, it is it not endlessly interesting to you that we would have questions for each other? Isn't that fascinating? Yes. <laughs> Especially because you, once again, you have your trusty notebook and you have, like, w- I would just immediately be like, don't you just know well, what I would say to everything? But yeah, you don't but because these... I know that I don't know what you would say to certain things. But in some ways, in some ways, these are the never ending questions. Sure. They're the like, the questions that you can just keep taking to another deeper yeah. layer. Yeah, yeah. Because they're about the creative process, but they're also about life. Because isn't our life a creative process? Because I would ask you a question about something genuinely, which I'm sure I did 10 times yesterday. Genuinely, I could guess what you were going to answer, but I actually in the moment have no idea. Did you like that episode of that TV show or not? Do you think we should do this or not? What do you think about what so-and-so said? Like, Because I honestly in that moment know you better than anyone, and in that moment I have no idea what you're going to say. Which isn't that what makes... A partnership oh so goodness. interesting yeah. is because you've been with this person for so long. You've shared all these experiences in history, and yet they're changing and evolving. Yeah. They're growing. And also, weirdly enough, you keep discovering things about them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even the fact that like when the kids have their iPhones and they're playing different songs on the speaker here in the kitchen. And... um so they'll they'll like blast the next song, and I wonder, and and then everybody sort of weighs in on what they think about the song. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like a, that's like a microcosm example of I don't know if you like the new Gunna Young Thug collab <laughs> or if you're bonkers about the new Dua Lipa like I am. I don't know. We'll see. But you know what just occurred yeah. to me is that <laughs> sometimes I surprise myself. Sometimes there's things about myself that I don't know, and I know that sounds a little weird, but like you were just mentioning... There's a book title. Sometimes I surprise (laughs) myself. Yeah, you were just mentioning (laughs) rap, which Trace has introduced us to the world of rap, and um, there's something about it that really resonates with me. The like, the feel of the music. Certain, certain, yes. certain rap, not all of it. Yeah. But, um, like when he told me you get rap, like, yes. like a lot of people try to get it and he's like, you at a intuitive level, get it. Yes. I was like, Oh, interesting. Yeah, you do. I didn't know that about mm-hmm. myself. Like I've always hoped that I had rhythm <laughs> and well, it's we not were- just rhythm, but like, <laughs> I've always hoped that I have a little bit of a groove. Um, when we were at that Lakers game back when there was an NBA and you were dancing in the aisle to that ASAP Ferg song, I was okay. like, I was laughing because I was like, my wife isn't faking this. No, She's like, <laughs> it like moves me. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I, yeah. It's, okay, you're, sometimes I surprise myself. I yeah. was like, where is she going with this? Yeah, that's, yes. I can see how you are surprising yourself because I've noticed you, um, yeah, yeah, that's. But aren't <laughs> that these awesome. the things that make life interesting? Absolutely. That is, the, <laughs> that is the game. That is just, that is how the game is to be played. Yes. Ah, uh, I love it. So are you ready for some questions? So, yes. Okay. I am just so happy that we're going to talk about whatever we're going to talk about. And I'm so happy that I got to tell everybody that the book is coming and all of it. It's just, I seriously, we're like, I don't know how many days into whatever this quarantine thing is. And I'm just, and some days are weird, but today, this morning, I'm like, I can't get this (laughs) ridiculous smile off my face. So anyway, okay. Uh, And I just had a pre-question because I was, based on what we talked about (laughs) last week with time, um, sometimes when you announce something like a book, it has this excitement, joy, release, because it's, it represents, uh, an amount of time that you've been carrying it around. Mm-hmm. And this is like the birth yeah. into the world. Um, can you give us a, a linear, do you have like a linear timeline of how long you've been carrying this around or in some ways, um... Have you mysteriously been carrying this around for your life? You, for uh, your whole life? Yeah, right. Great question. 
I had the rough, rough. I had one idea that I that I knew the idea was packed. It was dense, and that the idea probably there was probably a whole book in this one idea because it, and that was 2017, 2018. So it was a couple of years of just carrying around an idea, um, and sometimes I don't immediately structure or take notes. I just let. It's like you let the one core idea simmer um, because you you sense that it has tons and tons of stuff packed into it. Um, and then to and then in 2000 the, the second half of 2018 I, I really worked on it and 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 I could not get it to become anything. And I got so, like, ah, that I just walked away from that idea. Just set it down. I was like, forget it. There's no... And in the book I talk about, I was like, maybe I'm just done writing books. Um, maybe that was just a period of life. And now books are a thing of the past. Yes, um, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was very distinct. We, like, we had a lot of... writing. We had a lot of discussions about it. Yeah, like, yeah. Because I was like, ah. Like, if it's, it's not, just, if it's not fun anymore, um, the, there maybe just, there's something there was like, I was else, like, was some like, other um, way. Yeah, yeah, I was like trying to make something happen that just didn't seem to want to happen. So I just like set it down and walked away. And then January of last year, a year and a half ago, whatever that is, 16 months ago, um, that is when I was like, oh, I had like a sort of lightning bolt. And then wrote for a year straight <laughs> so in linear time has been a year and then there was like a, a solid year of writing yeah serious like but I also find it interesting because of our discussion in the last podcast about seasonal time like it had like a yeah there was a spring mm -hmm. for your mm -hmm. writing mm -hmm. and some books come really quickly and some books take way that's one of the shorter times it took to write a book. But then the sort of gestation was way longer. So none of this, right. there's no pattern or way it works. And some, some friends of mine will, you know, research for lots of years. And then the whole thing gets written in a couple of months. Others, a book every six years for them is moving fast. For others, a couple books a year. Like it makes, there's any sort of pattern and even when you've been doing it a while, each thing you're, you've gained, you've built up all these muscles, but then whatever this particular thing is, you have to listen to it. And if you try to make it, if you try to raise this kid exactly like the other kid, this is a, this is a new kid. So it, it's going to play by its own rules. It's a very strange process. Well, this is what I wanted to ask you. Because in watching you write this book, <laughs> there were times when you were in it. Like, mm, mm -hmm. um, we, were, we were traveling in Denmark. Oh, my word. And right. I remember every spare minute you could get, you were on your computer just typing away, like, in the flow. Like yeah, you would, yeah, You yeah. would wake up before Violet got up. Um, sometimes it was when we got back from doing sightseeing or doing whatever we were doing in Copenhagen. And it's that time when most people, like, their feet are tired. You just want to lay down and, like, just let your brain yeah. float. And you would pick up your computer and be absolutely absorbed yeah. in the writing of the book. Yeah. Um, I remember in, um, we were, can I say two things about that? Yeah. I remember in Copenhagen, we were staying at that hotel right on that main street near the canal. And we'd go out during the day and then we'd come back and have dinner. And then Violet and I would go down to the lobby. And there, that lobby had like kind of spilled out onto the sidewalk, out onto the street. And so all yeah. these people are walking by. And Violet and I would set up in this one particular couch in the lobby. And we would set up her computer to do Minecraft. And then I would have my computer. And the two of us would like set up our little, we'd set up our little world and then just get to work while all these people are coming and going. 
And then there was that bodega on the corner, and then I'd be like, snacks? She'd be like, snacks. And then we'd go over to that little corner bodega, and we'd just load up on snacks and bring them back. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> and just keep going, you were reading a book. Okay. Probably in the room. <laughs> but um, I have like such a distinct memory of that being just like such a wonderful experience. And then secondly, there were um, on the introduction to Joy Tour, which perhaps some people who are listening to this came out to, there are, there are times when I would be just off stage working on the book and then I would be listening to the playlist and realize, oh, two songs to go, close the computer, walk out on stage, do the show, and then walk back out, sit back down. And okay, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> this I've never is done what any, I'm talking I've, about. I've, because... <laughs> I would watch you and think, how does he have that kind of focus? How does he have that kind of like, no, don't answer yet because I'm going somewhere with this question. Uh, don't worry. Okay. You look like you were taking a breath. and No, no, okay. no. I'm th- I'm... Um, how does he, ha- how can he, because in order to finish something this big, you have to be able to be absorbed in it. Like it can't just be yeah. willpower. Like that's yeah. what I was noticing in you. This wasn't like you had a deadline and you were forcing yourself to focus. This was you were absorbed. Something like captured you and you were in it. Yeah. Um, and a word that comes to mind is flow. Like when you're in flow, you lose track of time. You're absorbed by something. Um a lot of artists, like we've talked about before, get like Michelangelo, for example, was known for like going days on end without eating, without yeah. changing his clothes, mm-hmm, like just mm-hmm. absolutely absorbed in the work. And you weren't like that, but but you you were able to find flow mm-hmm. where um, you were in some sort of process that was like work, but also really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and so my question is, how do you go from something that feels undoable, like a book? Like it's such a big project. For many people that feels very undoable, or maybe there's something else in life that feels just like, how do you climb to the top of that mountain? How do you go from that feeling of something being undoable to getting just absorbed in it? What a great question. Um, and I actually, I actually did a little bit of, um, I did a little bit of research on flow because I am fascinated by this concept because I, I actually think it's, it's the way to create with joy. And so often in my experience, uh, I'm pushing myself. I have like, like, mm, like right. the old way of right. like having goals and then pushing yourself to meet them. If you just reach down far enough and right. just sort of muster some inner will and you just, you'll somehow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some, there's some other way. And so there've been, there's uh, some research on flow um, some researchers who have like devoted themselves to that concept. It's interesting. It's a bit like when Freud began to talk about the unconscious and wanted to approach, discovered the unconscious as a scientific phenomenon. And, and what was so important to him was the rigorous scientific analysis uh, and evaluation of what the unconscious is and how it works. And what's interesting when you talk about researchers are working on flow because flow can sound very woo-woo to people. Right. There's no data on flow. You can't, you can't empirically measure flow. But I love that you just said a bunch of researchers are now studying flow. That's awesome. Well, you can measure flow in the sense of, of um, looking at people who self-report. Right, right, right. There is a phenomenology a at work here. Yes. flow. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I found this interesting. Um, they came up with a term for people who are in flow more often. They, um, they came up with the term autotelic personality. And that comes from the Greek. Ah, uh, telos? Telos means end, and oh, autos means self. 
Autotelic, nice. So in order to yeah, get sure. in a state of flow, you have to turn off the self-critical voice. For sure. You have to get beyond yes, 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 yourself. Yes. You to get rid of your edit button. So that's yes. one of the things they found. Um, and, and the way that they define this type of personality is this type of person enjoys life and generally does things for their own sake rather than to achieve some later external goal. Yes. And mm -hmm. I would say that you are an autotelic personality. <laughs> That's just your, your nature or what you've learned mm -hmm. over time as well. Um, but doing something for the joy of the process yeah. rather than what you're going to achieve on the other side. This is why I never liked school. Ah. This is why the moment somebody gives me an assignment, I'm, I just, something within me shuts off. I never understood that. Look at this, peoples. This is wonderful therapy for me. Yes, this would explain a whole world of things to me. It's yeah. only ever worked if it came up from within. So I also loved finding that people who have a higher level of autotelic in Autotelication? Them. Autotelicness? <laughs> yes. Um, Autotelicity? Uh, they have more flow experiences. They also have higher self-esteem. They have less anxiety. And they have better coping strategies. So that's what the, that's what the research has found, which I found, I found very compelling. Um, and um, I also lo always love the brain chemical stuff. There also appears to, when they study the brain in flow states... Um, or chem the chemicals, there's a release of dopamine um, that appears to be key, and that's why flow feels so rewarding. So mm. there's stuff physiologically that's happening as sure. well oh, when yeah. you're in that flow state. Oh, yeah, I know about that. Yeah. So did that oh, give yeah. you? Yeah, you get the hits. <laughs> you, get, yeah. <laughs> you get those little highs. Yeah, yeah. I know about that. So how do you enter into a project like this book and enter into it for the joy of it. I knew I was going to love this, but I think we're still on your first question. Yes, we are. <laughs> uh, well, where should I start? I think there's a, I, I think there's a death that has to take place. I actually now am wondering how much of it involves a certain kind of death. It, 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 as you're asking your question, I was like, what is she getting at? What, how would I articulate it? There is some part of us that wants to race ahead. Is, will this be good? Will people like it? Will it... Um, will it make it on the charts? Will it make me money? Will it give me the promotion? Will it, will I, will I be noticed? There's some death that you have to go through so that you can be alive to the thing. I mean, that might be the way to put it. Cause you know how I get, I'll, I get nerves to this day before even a Robcast. I get like a, um, or a live show especially, but anything I get. And I always wonder what that was. And you and I have talked about nerves and butterflies is like, hey, you're in the game. Hey, this is your body saying we're about to do something. But I also, there's an element of death in there because you cannot control the outcomes of, of your gift to the world. You don't know how it's going to be received. You don't know what it's going to do or not do or... Who's good? There's a whole warehouse somewhere in the Inland Empire with a giant pallet of my novel. You know what I mean? Right, right. So that you... continues to sit there. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, I think that novel's really great. Well, that's very kind of you. But um, there is, you don't know. All you know is that there is something about this thing in front of you that is life. And I, and I don't know, because your question takes me way back, I don't know if 
I was desperate enough in my early 20s that when I stumbled into this kind of work, it, it became like, this is something about the nature of life itself. My life is bound up in being this and doing this. It makes me like really emotional to think about. So when people talk, like I remember my first publisher, one time I had a meeting with them and they said, what are you thinking for, for your next, the follow-up to my first book? And they said, because they said, we, we will have authors come in and they'll get out a pen and paper and they'll say, what do you think people want to hear about that maybe I could write about? And they said, so that's, we're kind of used to that. What, what do you, do you have any ideas? And I remember it just blew my mind. And I proceeded to outline like four books on the whiteboard uh -huh. <laughs> because I didn't, because I was, I was like burning to say things. Um, and I don't, but, but I, and talking with person after person after person after person, and obviously in this whole discussion, books are, books are a stand in for whatever it is a person's here to do. I've just encountered person after person after person who, when you got through all the layers of stuff and the voices on their shoulder and their, the editor and their brain, they had something that lit them up. They had something. Some people would just say, I'm here to heal. I'm here to listen. I'm here to, I'm here to meet people in grief. I'm here. You know what I mean? There's right. like some core. And, I, and, and this is not fanciful or fantasy speak because I've just seen it. And literally thousands upon thousands of people interacting one-on-one, -on -one, there's something in the person that wakes the, that lights them up. There's something. And they've, uh, sadly, sometimes they've just brushed up against it a couple of times, mm -hmm. but it's there. Mm -hmm. um, the, I was just talking to somebody this week that was like, uh, when they get with high school students, when they're in a room with high school students, something within them comes to life. And it's, and, and most of this is, it's often pre-verbal and pre-rational. We can't really explain why certain things just right. touch us. When you said that, I, I, it's like that feeling inside that just says yes. Right. So, um, art doesn't make, doesn't have to make sense. Art means something. So these, these primal expressions, and, and, and I, I say that because our, all of us, our life is like a, an artwork. So we're doing, we're doing our art. Um, they're pre-rational. It, it, it comes from a place deeper than the mind, soul, mm -hmm. spirit, which is actually what part of the book is about. Um, so you have to find it there, which is why um, sensible career planning, I'm going to go to the university and get a degree for this field because it makes good money and it's a respectable um, that sounds wonderful on paper and that can be a wonderful developmental step, but the real satisfaction and meaning in life is when you get to that, when you're working from a much deeper place than what is a sensible vocational track? No, what is the thing that would get you out of bed in the morning? Um, so I think I, I, I stumbled into that and found something that, because you know, like I, I didn't care about money. I didn't care about, like when you met me, I was just, I got this thing I'm here to do. Yeah, that's true. So um, whether it's going to, and I, like whether I was good at it or not, I, I wanted to be good at it, but we, we were tapped into something way more foundational than that. It was like a thing I had to pursue. Like, it was like life, life. This is where the life is. And that mantra actually can be very helpful. All I know is this is where the life is. Yes. So let's, let's take away paycheck. Let's take away accolades. Let's take away what a person's extended family might think, what their friends, their friends might not understand it. You have to go way farther into the center of your being to find the thing. And if you, you find it and you're true to it, 
um, there'll be all sorts of struggles, but they'll be the good kind of struggles. Well, like the struggles say, we've had for 25 years have been, they've been serious struggles, but they've all been in this larger, right. floating down this larger river that undergirded it all, which is just keep going. I was going to say, what I hear you saying is that there was always a center that you came back to. Like a, yeah. Um, because I think we can get off track in so many ways, like the voices that creep in, the um, the desire to make people happy or to avoid criticism. Success. Um, right. Success the desire can, for success. Well, I'm not saying getting success. Oh, I, mean, I see. Like, like you, the thing you did went well and people did notice and it earned you all sorts of stuff. That can That can throw you off as well. <laughs> right. So I, watching you, I know that you have had the voices and the struggles and the burnout, but at the core, yeah. there's always been this like, yeah. you, you were, I'm actually going to say like fortunate in the sense that from a young age, you had a like, this is what I'm here to do. Um, I think some people, it takes them longer to find sure, that. Sure, sure. And w- when you tell your story, it happened, it happened in your early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. So the struggles and that's, that doesn't mean then that the struggle's over. It just means that, that you have something to return to as far as like, yeah. no, this is what I'm yeah. here to do. It's, um, I, I mean, going back to that definition of autotelic self end when you have something bigger than yourself that you're giving yourself to i think it might be easier to find that well to, yeah that and the interesting thing about or interesting, turn off the critical voice right and the interesting thing about that word telos is the greeks understood that you could almost translate it in english trajectory or arc so the telos was like an end or the goal but that implied that there was a movement towards something. So it's the movement. So autotelic is there is some thing I am to participate in here that is going somewhere. So it's the person who has this idea of whatever it is and something is inviting them like, hey, come enter give in. this a shot. Yes, 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 exactly. Come enter in because this is going somewhere. It's not a static universe. It's a dynamic universe. It never stops inviting you to participate and it's that tug within you to give yourself to something because there's something is unfolding here and something within you is magnetically drawn to be present in the midst of whatever that unfolding thing is. And it works at a macro, like what am I going to do with my life? And then it works at a micro, which is simply what's the next thing? What's the next step? What's the next person to try and help? What's the next business to launch what's the next sentence to type it has like a and so you you keep coming back to that and uh most people i meet like in the in the workshops um most of the time people are stuck because they have a voice on their shoulder they have some voice on their shoulder from somebody somewhere who told them this is how it's done and they are trying to play by somebody else's rules. Right. I thought of the word self-consciousness. Ah, uh, they're so hyper aware yeah. of, and well, so-and-so said that it has to be this tall and this wide. Yeah, but you're doing this. So what does yours look like? Um, so they either, or or they their edit button, they're editing it in the process of just connecting with the thing itself and the editing's later. Right. So you, you Creating have and editing to are two different get things. Get rid of your edit button. It might be rubbish. Um, it, it, you're right. It might be, <laughs> it might stink, but we don't know. Right. You have to create it first. <laughs> yes. And the number of people, are, but what are asking questions about outcomes, they're caught up in is it any good or not? I, um, right now we're throwing things against the right. wall. Well, when you're asking that question, you can't be in flow. This is why I never talk publicly about what I'm working on. Cause I might get to the end 
Right. Like, so, so, so I've been doing these Robcasts working on a book for the past couple of years, but I would never mention that because who knows at the end if I might find out that the book's rubbish. <laughs> and here I've been telling you, hey, chapter seven's almost done. And then at the end be like, ah. Um, so I just learned early on not to share much. Right, and because... I've noticed when you have had those projects <laughs> that you're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to release this one. You don't let it reflect on you. You don't let that make a statement about you or your abilities or your worth. You're just like, oh, this is part of the creative process. If I have a, because you know, like the output that I bring, the things that I do release are like what's what seems releasable. There's like a mountain of stuff that wasn't, the mountain of crap means I'm on the right track. Right. There you go, people. Put that on a coffee mug. <laughs> the mountain of crap. And I actually don't even think it's crap. It's all part of how you, it's all part of it. So, so. Well, I've heard stuff, you use the example of, of making an album. Like how many songs do you actually have to create oh, right, 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 in order right. to make an album? You right. usually make a, how many? Like to I make, just, I just put a, a notebook in recycling a couple months ago because I was cleaning out the storage closet in the back house. Um, uh, a notebook of outlines for Robcast episodes that were just like that, just of just like like this is not good enough. Just just page after page um, of things I could have done episodes about, um, and I put and and I just literally tossed it because uh, not because it's crap, because no, those, no, those don't work. And that means I'm on the right. That's that's how it works. Right, but you've been able to reframe. <laughs> you get joy out of throwing that notebook away because you have you have decided that that actually means the stuff that does make it is is going to be the stuff. You it, know what I mean? Like yeah. And if it's good, it'll come back anyway. If it was meant to be, then some it'll loop back. Sometimes ideas come around later. But yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, you, I've heard you say you know you have something when you've thrown ten things away. Right, right, right. Yeah, this is especially true. Oh, I mean, if you're trying to help people in any way, let alone like business, and people are like, well, my first two businesses didn't make any money. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying that like that's a yeah, of course. So you so you lost some money. Okay, that's real. That's real. That's like a let's give that. That's real. Grieve that. Let that be a stress. Whatever it is. But yeah, you're you're still fighting the thing. Like, well, what did you think that like the first idea would work? What a weird idea! Did you think you'd be awesome right away? That that to me is like a completely foreign idea that you would try something, and you didn't think that there would be like a learning curve or that there would be a bunch of pieces of clay on the floor that didn't make the sculpture that you like. Of course, yeah. So now that's just all baked in. That's all just baked in. So actually, in what was the end of 2018, when I just was like, ah, this book that I think might be a book, this idea, just, I can't. I just set it down. I just set it down. Okay, that's, apparently it's all part of it. So maybe I'm done with books. Maybe it's, and then a number of those ideas did come back six months later into this book. They like worked their way in, and they came in completely different doors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I say a second thing about your question? Yes, please. Part of, well, you know what's happened to me over the past year. I came up through this intellectual tradition that um, you studied and you researched and you arranged it and you crafted it. And then... Uh, it's like by the end of 2018, I had taken that. There was some sense, you know what I mean? I had some sense like my work is coming to some end. This chapter is ending. Um, and then I had this series of experiences where my heart got ripped open. Um, and it's like my mind sank into my heart. I don't ever know how to describe that. But, I mean, I could. It's like the heart said to the mind, you serve me. Um, and I mean, I can trace that intellectually to the Reformation, to the particular religious tradition that I sort of grew up around. You know what I mean? It located things very much in the mind. 
And the mind's a wonderful thing, but something about my life sank down into my heart. And so this book, like part of all that with the book, because I, you know, it's all full of these stories I've never told about where I come from and who I come from. And well, this is interesting. I don't mean to interrupt, but you're actually answering my second question. Okay. <laughs> so uh, my second question is about um, this book has been different from your other yeah. books. Um, you've described it as more personal. More personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched you kind of wrestle with uh, feeling vulnerable about sharing certain things. Yeah. Um, it felt like this book was more personally risky for you in the sense of like doing it in a way that you hadn't done it before. Yeah. Um, yeah. So can you talk more about why? I mean, you already started on why this book is different. It was originally had all these big ideas. Everything is spiritual. Um, and I'd done a couple of tours about the big ideas of an expanding universe and atoms and molecules and all that um, and our hearts. So everything is spiritual has sort of been my life message. If there's one sermon I've been giving the whole time, it's everything is spiritual. Um, but then I was like, where do these ideas come from? How do I see the world? And when, where did I come across these ideas? And what was it like when they were new? And where did I pick up that sense or that thing that guides me now? Did I always see it that way or did I come into that? And that was like, well, then you got to go way back there. I mean, so we like went all the way back to growing up, then went back to the generations before me. Because that story that I was born into, because we're all born into an ongoing story. A child's not a blank slate. We're, we're born into these dramas of the people who came before us. Um, I sh- that's when it all broke open is I should, the only interesting thing was to write about where all of these ideas came from and what it was like when I first stumbled across them. And that exposed this whole Rob Bell trap which is kind of like, I'm like a step ahead, winking and inviting you, come on, let's go people. Um, But to go back and write about when I was in high school, when I was seven years old, when I was 19, what it was like to come to see the world, to experience an expanded view of things or to have, you know what I mean? To write about that, I had to write about that with a certain innocence. None of the ways that I would normally write worked. So like when I talk about my shame or loss or pain, um, when when I, we left a previous life a decade ago and came to California and um, I hadn't publicly spoken for a year and then I, we went to New York and I spoke and I bombed. Remember I was wearing a suit and I right. was like, this, this story in the book is great, by the way. So I write about post-love wins. Look at the emotion. Woo, right there. We knew we were coming to California because we knew there was more work to do. But I didn't really... We just knew there was a whole new world of people and new world, but we didn't know exactly what it looked like. So you and I just took this flying leap. Um, but my tendency has always been to talk about, oh, we're going to be fine. Look at this. Look what we're doing. And not, hey, this is actually got some terror in here. Right. So it became... In the sense of leaving what is familiar and and branching out into something that's completely unfamiliar. So when I started locating these moments, it's almost like, it's not telling everybody what really happened, but it, it is, it's the other side to all that positivity and optimism and energy is like a year after Love Wins, I'm in, I had gone to speak in New York, first time I'd spoken in a year publicly, and I bomb, and I was wearing a suit, <laughs> and I go, I literally run out of things to say, and I go back to the green room, and I'm sitting there in a the suit, like, 
and it's, I'm wearing a sweater under a suit. When do I ever wear a suit? When do I ever wear a sweater under a suit? It's the sweater's all itchy. And I'm like, what? I'm not, like, what am what are we what are we doing? <laughs> what am I doing? Like, I know there's some new day ahead, but that what? So uh, so like I started, so that's what when you talk about the flow, this book became just tell everybody those stories. So there are sentences I would type like. I felt shame. That was an earlier start. I felt shame. And then I'd be like, that's not a Rob Bell sentence. Where are the bells and whistles? Where's the, where's the like clever right. arty spin on it? Where, but I was like, no, the only sentence that works there is I felt shame. And that's such a boring sentence. But, but it was the sentence that had the tears like pouring down my face because that's what it was. Right. I, I watched you. This book, you seem to be guided by something really deep and personal. Yeah. And I noticed there were a number of times you had tears. Yeah. In the writing process. Like right now. Yeah. <laughs> Which Ooh. you know, like that's when you're really yeah. like on it. Like that's when you're doing the thing yeah. that you're here to do. Yeah. So, um, and the parallels are endless for people. There's something that is going on that is just, a step after a step after a step. Like, I know you did it that way before. I know that you, I know this leaves you really exposed, but it's it's the only sentence to type next. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, I mean, the... So you had to enter into a trust process in the writing, like trusting... Yeah. Like you said, your heart, would you say your heart? Over your mind? Was that what it was? What what opens the heart? I mean, the first line of the book is, my grandma used to keep cash in her bra. (laughs) So the book is not without humor. Of the book. So when I started telling that story about me and my grandma, and I was like, wait, just where does this go? Where in the world does this go? Because this is a book in which you're talking about quantum entanglement. What does your grandma have to do with any... Well, just put it at the beginning. So I just cut, literally cut and pasted that story. Just put it at the beginning of the book. Well, I'll just start. Does the first line of the book, <laughs> my grandma <laughs> used to keep cash in her bra. And then I was like, wait, this book has no chapters. Well, can I just remind you that originally you were starting with that story of peeing off the porch? <laughs> Oh, right, right, right. There was also this story. There was also a story about when I... By the way, that story is when I was really little, not like Right, recently. right, right. That was when he was two years old. I know, no that worries. story... Oh, that story was in there too. That's a classic. That'll appear somewhere. Right, that one didn't make the cut. Didn't need it. Right, it but wasn't that's a necessary, classic example. But... That's a classic example where you just, just... That'll come back around. No worries. If you have really good stories that aren't making it in, like the peen off the front porch story, if you have a... That is a, a story I never told. That is a that story makes me laugh. That story sh- tells you. Who, that's, can can you just tell it for fun? When we lived on Sandalwood Drive in 1972, the that's the year my sister was born. The bus stop for the neighborhood was in front of that house. It was a red house. I took Violet to see it last year. Um, and so the bus, a whole group of older kids would gather right in front of that house every morning, wait for the bus. And I would go out there in the morning at two and pull down my pants because there was like a cement, little cement porch. And I would pee off the porch and the kids would cheer me on. They would just love it. And it was like, it's my earliest memory because part of this whole process was taking apart where I come from, and um, and I was thinking, what's my earliest? Me-? And I was like, my earliest memory is on a stage giving a gift to the world. <laughs> right, and making people laugh. <laughs> I love that story because it actually tells so, me so much about who you are. Oh, good God. The psychoanalytic potentials of that story are unbelievable. <laughs> There was something in there from the very beginning that wanted to like. Next show. I mean, it was like there was a time. 
that I don't know if it's entertain or impress or grab the attention, but there was. <laughs> it I mean, was, I was in there. Just it's what I had to work with at the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and very uh, creative and innovative as well. Yeah, fearless. Yeah, <laughs> let's go on. <laughs> what else? Uh, I'm sure it was adorable. Awesome. I mean, pictures of you when you were little, those blonde. How great! White blonde curls. How great that I don't have any memory of my of my parents being like, "What are you doing? You shouldn't do that." Isn't that interesting? Did they know you were doing it? I'm sure at some point. Where is Robbie? Yeah, because he's two. He probably should be here somewhere in the house. Right. Oh, he's just out in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? So they found it funny as well, maybe. Well, I just don't have. I don't. I. I mean, I. I my dad would have thought that was really funny. I'm assuming. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great story. <laughs> so the the you're you're finding and centering yourself in the thing that is deeper within you than all of the other s- surface layers that get in the way. And when you find that, it's not like you're free from free from the struggle and free from the grit of things. It's just, I mean, you find that you can you can deal with any you can get through anything. Yeah, that's what you and I have experienced. This thing that you and I have been doing together for all these years. This whatever this path is, we're walking. All the stuff that's come our way, you can deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you're when you're locked in and grounded in the thing you're here to do. Yes. Even if at times you're even like, what is the, what is the thing again? Like, right. That's all just part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, this leads me to my last question. Oh, man. Your question's so good. <laughs> um, you, this book is about, well, it's about a lot of things, as yeah. you said. Yeah. It's about quantum physics. It's about yeah. life. It's about suffering uh i mean making meaning out of suffering creating yeah um that feels like a lot of information like even going back and like telling stories Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. when you were in high school um that's a lot of life to pull stories from and that can feel like too much information like what I guess I'll, I'll tell you how this question relates to me personally mm-hmm. is sometimes when I'm, well, the current thing that I have in my mind that I want to create that I've been working on slowly, it often feels like too much information. Like, like I have kind of this, um, I can feel what it's supposed to feel like, but when I actually get down to making it, I don't know how to take all the information and like pick like, okay, this ah, is what right. I'm going to talk about. This is what I'm going to talk about. Um, can you talk about that process? Yeah. And, um, and in addition to that, something that I've heard you talk about before that I think is really helpful is the idea of inertia of options. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you want to give it shape and form as quickly as possible. You want to move, you want to get it incarnated. So so let me think of an example. Uh, let's say this, uh, let's say there's a woman who works for a nonprofit and she's giving a pitch to a group of people, it, possible donors about what the nonprofit does. And she's got all these facts from the area. You know what I mean? She's got from the area that she's working in. Her group is trying to help this problem in the world, and she's trying to tell these people about why the work is important and they should donate money to it. And she's got so much data mm-hmm. about the problem in the world and how their organization. And so she's like, I don't even know where to begin to tell the story. Okay, um, get it out. Put it on a slide. Put it on a three-by-five card. Get it out. Get it into some form other than trapped up in your brain. Because up in your brain, is, is, there's too much up in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's too foggy. It's too fuzzy. So you're like, well, I just, anytime somebody tells me like, 
and this happens so much when I do workshops. Someone's like, I'm just an ideas person. I got tons of ideas. I got so ideas, I don't even know where to start. Um, pick one and be a person and actually give it body, shape, and form. Like, incarnate it. Um, because we'll learn quite quickly. I mean, the ideas are all so great. Uh, make one, let's see. You know what I mean? So get it in, in a, even if it's a crappier version. Um, so that story, because I got all these amazing stories. Okay, write one down. Just write one down. Or write three of them down. And then print out those pieces of paper and tape them each to the wall. Um, you'll know. You'll know. That's the thing about it is it, flesh and blood will answer a lot of that. So a lot of people get stuck because it's still um, a, an ambiguous hairball in their brain. You know what I mean? But as soon um, as it actually has shape and form, you can see what it is. As this is the inertia of options that you and I have talked about. Um, this is when the inertia of options is when a person says, I just got so many different directions I could go in. I just have so many different ideas. And so what happens is that stuff all is just, it's massive in the person's mind. And it can leave you like, I don't even know what direction to move in. Um, but that actually has an element of fantasy built into it. Because fantasy is how great all of this stuff would be. Mm -hmm. um, this is why that singer-songwriter who you're like, well, just play me, what are you, I'm a singer-songwriter. Well, great, play me some music. Uh, well, I mean, I have some stuff recorded, but I mean, I'm, I'm going into the studio soon to, to, my, but to really record the stuff. Because the stuff I have recorded, just I wouldn't really want to play for you. Um, it's fantasy. It's, it's going to be. And fantasy allows you to stay stuck because you're, you're just living in the illusion of how great all this stuff is. But then you make something, and that requires a death. That requires, because mm. to make it, you have to die. So, uh, well, you know my beloved friend Carlton. Right, I, I, I was to, just thinking. Okay, I... Um, Tell that story. Oh, we're at lunch. <laughs> For example. A couple months ago. And... and um, so I was like, well, what are you doing this afternoon? We're each telling each other what we're doing the rest of the day. And he said, well, I'm going to watch a rough cut of the first episode of one of my new television shows because Carlton makes all these television shows. And he said, so, they, so you write, you do the scouting location, you cast, you film, like years of work, and then edit together a rough cut of the first episode, which is just a rough version and it's going to be longer than what the episodes are going to eventually be, but it's just to get a sense of what the show. And he said, whenever I go in to see the first version, the first cut of a show, he says, I always have to go through a little like funeral because all of the ideas I've had about how great the show could be and what it can be and where it can go, I'm going to actually see what we captured with the camera on film. And, um, so I, he's like, I just, I'll have to go through a process of this is what the show is actually going to be because prior to that is existed in all of these potentials and possibilities. That's a very similar thing to parenting. I know you thought your kid would be this and your kid could do this. This is the kid, this is who the kid actually is. So as a parent, you're constantly going through surrendering all of these things you've placed upon the kid or all these wild possibilities you've had about where the kid, this is where the kid's actually going to go to school. Right. This is you. Um, otherwise people get stuck in this fantasy. So you have to get through that death and resurrection funeral thing. You got to do that. Um, and then over the years you just get, you, you build up, you just get good at it. Um, this is what the things actually actually in space and time. This is what it is. Now, this is why the internet is so lethal, is the internet allows people to spout off about all the things they would do, but doesn't actually require somebody to actually make it in space and time. So you have a whole generation of people who've been shaped by the internet who are catatonic. They're like paralyzed to make things. So why in a culture where more people have more time to make things, do more people talk about their fear of making mm. things? Because literally, if you spend time on the internet, it is divorced from space and time. You can be anything on the internet. You can, I think about politically, people can 
spout off about how they do things and politicians just don't get it and they can go on and on and on sending links around to people and they're so-and-so's just really politically opinionated. Yeah, but so-and-so's never actually enacted or come up with one policy in flesh and blood space and time. So it allows people to exist in a suspended state of fantasy. Wow, yeah. I could go on this all day. Um, and that's why right now you have people with education and they have tremendous skill and talent and they're terrified to actually make something. Um, and you, it's because the internet, well, I mean, lots of reasons, but one of the things is you have this dominant thing that doesn't actually, it doesn't hold you accountable for the death that you have to go through. So this book, my new book, um, there's a bunch of things that's not. And I've had to make peace with that. It's my, I gave it everything I got. Um, so how people respond to it, critics, reviews, media, um, the haters, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, you just have to go through whatever all that is. I, I threw myself into it and actually made something and this book owes me nothing. It transformed yeah. me. It gave me a gift. It opened up my heart. It taught me things about myself. It brought me tears. It brought me clarity. It brought me... It, it doesn't owe me a thing. And that's what, a gift what it's I've given me. seen when I've watched you work on this, this specific book at this specific time in your life, is that you... Th that kind of surrendering yeah. process yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is you can enter in and let go of all sorts of things yeah. in order to find what it is mm -hmm. and what it has to give you in yeah. the process. Yeah. It's not, yeah. I really do notice that about you. It's not what this is going to bring you in the future or oh, right, you're going right, to feel right. good when it's done. You really are an example of entering into the process and trusting that every single moment, every single day that you work on it, you get the joy of watching it evolve. Mm -hmm. What is this going to be? Mm -hmm. There's kind of a mystical quality yeah. to that. Yeah. Like you, you yeah. hand it over. Mm -hmm. um, and you find you find the joy in the process. Yes, it has to be. That's that's how it has to work. That's how it has to work. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a very yeah, yeah, yeah. And some and somehow this way from way back that became your and that's this, these are the people who light us up. These are the people. I mean, the people who just moved me, they were following. It's like they got a bead on something and they followed it. Yeah. And I, I am feeling their joy, which resonates with my joy. Um, and. Whew. But it's also a way of life. Like this creative process that we're describing where you enter into the flow and mm -hmm. you. Yep. Turn off the critic and yep. you like it's it's also a way of living. Yes. Absolutely. That is always available. As oh, far absolutely. as like as far as like a practice. Absolutely. Like waking up every morning and starting with that mm -hmm. intention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can remember that uh old remember in the the mall building way back when I was doing sermons and 2000 there was a back like storage room that I took over as my office you had to like walk through a thing through a thing past a bathroom to get to it and I thought as the head pastor of this thing it would be cool if my office was like a converted closet that you had to go you know what I mean yeah you've I always just... <laughs> done things that like make you laugh you know yes. what I mean yes because normally it was like there was like the head person has like their suite 
um, with a couch, like a really, but I was like, what if mine was like the crappiest, smallest office of anybody who worked here? So, but I remember I had a stereo in that little room and they had found, when we took over that mall, there was like an old desk that was like a green, that was like a half circle that I had found in a storage room when they were gutting the mall. And I asked if that could be my desk. And that's before I got my desk that I have now, um, that I've had forever. But I remember I had a stereo and I was listening. I would like listen to Green Day just cranked while I would work on these sermons. And I remember I would just get lost in these ideas and like, ooh, that could have, oh, that's um, what you're describing. Just, and I remember I would, turned up the music really loud and I knew there was a whole world of things out that door that needed my attention but I was on to something and I had to follow it I just had to follow it and see where it would lead um because that's how it works yeah well great <laughs> I'm thanks, you, thanks for uh answering my questions I have been interviewed by a fairly broad spectrum of human beings over the years, but you... I don't think this was the typical interview. No, I felt like the thing was rigged I've, for me. She was for me. Well, <laughs> and it's so much more fun to have a conversation than just like, Rob, <laughs> tell me what you've well, learned from this process. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's way more fun. Mm -hmm. And I, this is my heart for everybody. Is I, I mean, you know... The workshops that I do, this is, if and I in any way could help, I mean, this is what I love to help. I loved that moment when somebody gets unstuck and they find the thing in its truest, purest form. Then the rest is details. Right. Uh, even the, the yesterday we were on the porch talking about the thing that you have in you. Um, we were just talking, watching you find it another little layer. You know what I mean? Get another, a little bit even closer to its heart. And then you were just tweaking, well, these details, that deep. I could do it this way. I could do it that way. And we were just, just watching that. It's like pure joy. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, what, a, what an episode. Right. Oh, my word. So, Robcast, friends, everything is spiritual. From St. Martin's Press. <laughs> Pre-order now, September 15th. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, this was fun. Grace and peace, everyone. Yes, until next time. <laughs>